Welcome to the Mala Movement Podcast. Each episode we share our experience and research on all things natural living, holistic health and mindful being. We are so grateful that you're hanging out with us. Let's dive on in. Hey, hey, welcome back to another podcast. This is just a solo episode with myself today. Mark is doing his thing outside. We will be coming at you with a van life episode now that we've, I think we've been nearly in here about two months. I could be wrong, but we've really, you know, settled into the lifestyle now. So we have a lot to share. So that episode will be coming for you. Though for today, I really want to talk about how health can become toxic. And the reason I really want to talk about this is because I have experienced this along my health journey and I don't think it's spoken about enough in the health industry. And you might even be thinking like, how can health become toxic? I don't get it. Is that even possible? And the first thing I want to say to that is too much of anything or too much of a good thing can definitely become toxic in some sort of way. So there's herbs that can be really medicinal, for example, though in high amounts, like having too much of them, they have a toxic effect. So anything good can become bad when you have too much of it. Okay. For example, you have beneficial bacteria in your gut. They live in there in certain parts of the digestive system. Though if you have too many of these little guys in your small intestine, digestive and other health issues can occur. So that's called SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. There's too many bacteria in your small intestine. So that's just a couple of examples with the herbs and with the beneficial bacteria. Okay, just to paint a little bit of a picture. And there's multiple layers to what I want to speak to today. And I won't be able to cover everything in just one podcast episode that I'm really going to do my best to just really shine some light and highlight a few things that I think are really important to look out for and reflect on. So for the sake of this episode, I've actually broken it down into four things to look out for. And I'll share some things that have really helped me find more flexibility and balance in the way I nourish my body and life. So the first one that I want to touch on is distorted eating. So this is something to look out for, which is basically when food or the thought of food begins to really overtake and take over your day-to-day life. So basically everything revolves around your diet. And this is something that I've really fallen victim to or into multiple times to the point where it was actually suggested that I had something called orthorexia, which is a type of eating disorder. Though instead of focusing on like calorie restriction and limiting my food intake, which there was actually some elements of that in what I was sort of experiencing, there was an element of calorie restriction, though it was more to do with, for myself, that excessive preoccupation with eating healthy food. And that's what orthorexia is. It's the type of disordered eating that often starts with like an innocent intention of becoming more healthy for whatever reason. For me, it was actually started out, I just wanted to improve my immune system because I was always sick. So that's where it started for me. So through this pursuit, it actually led me down to unhealthy consequences because I was so hyper-focused on it. So things like social isolation, anxiety around food, loss of the ability to eat intuitively. I lost that, reduced interest in actually like a full range of healthy human activities. So it can become distorted. So distorted eating is really just like the umbrella. Orthorexia is the extreme point. And orthorexia is actually something that would be diagnosed by a mental health professional or a GP, for example. So it's not something like dietitians might allude to it, but 
yeah, I'm more talking about the category of distorted eating. Orthorexia was just my experience of that. So I just wanted to make that clear. But yeah, this is basically something that I experienced throughout my health journey due to my often obsessive all or nothing mindset. And it also didn't help that I was studying nutrition and learning about health and the impact of food on my body. So it was a case of like, I knew so much that I was scared of everything to a certain degree. And I see this in other nutritionists and other naturopaths, um, this distorted type of eating or in their behavior around food when it becomes very rigid. And I've like gone through phases of following things like clean eating, veganism, low-fat diet, paleo diet, all these types of diets over the years, and I'd often take them to the extreme. So it would just create rigidity in my day-to-day life. So these diets, like they can be very medicinal and helpful for certain health conditions or just in in different phases of your life. So they can be definitely used medicinally and they can definitely be helpful. I'm not arguing that fact, though some people when they take a diet and follow it like to the T and forever, it's just like this is freaking gospel and that isn't serving that mindset I believe in my experience it was not serving to me because it created a lot of anxiety around food and food fear I'd literally get anxious about eating out I would actually even bring my own food to eat in my car or at the restaurant sometimes before I'd even see my friends it was extreme that I was like socially isolating myself or limiting my human experience Now, there might be cases where you're going through a specific healing protocol and it might require you to restrict certain foods for a a short period of time. Though the difference is between distorted eating is when you're literally doing it from a fear of like gaining weight, for example, or just fear of food in general, or you're not introducing or trying to reintroduce those foods back into your diet. It's, you know, becoming socially isolating for long periods of time. So, yeah, there's like this fine line between doing something medicinally. Like, for example, you're trying to restore your digestive health and you might be limiting wheat, for example, because it's been irritating your digestive system. You can do that. And there's like this fine line of like doing it for a period of time to allow restoration to happen within your system and then taking it to the absolute extreme of I am never ever touching wheat again or gluten ever again and I will do whatever I can in my power. So that is somewhat understandable if you are actually celiac where it can be like quite detrimental if you have those exposures though it's going to be like a case by case thing though I just want you to know there is that, that, that little fine line between, you know, doing something medicinally and just taking it to the absolute extreme. Another example is like I w- through this period, I was actually logging all of my food. So this is like the obsessive thing that was coming into it with the orthorexia. I was like logging all of my food before I even ate it to make sure I didn't go over my set macros of carbs and fat for the day. And I actually like, I lost the ability to actually enjoy food and relax with family and friends for a really, really long time. And that's like a key point where there's this social isolation and anxiety around food and this like rigidity, like major rigidity long-term around food. 
So that's really just leading me into like number two, which is food fear. So anxiety around eating bad foods, and I'm putting those in like quote quotation marks, and feeling guilt or some sort of fear after eating it. So some typical examples are gaining weight after eating an indulgent food, feeling really anxious to eat a particular food that used to give you digestive issues, for example, or shaming yourself for indulging in a particular food or meal. They're just a few examples I've experienced elements of all of these. Thankfully, towards the end of my naturopath and nutrition study, I started diving into personal development and doing work on healing my relationship with my body and food. And one time I was actually heading out for dinner with one of my sweet friends, Mel, who I was studying with. And we were talking about how food fear or like this fear around unhealthy food could be more harmful than the food itself. And she dropped the term irritable brain syndrome, which I thought was the most freaking brilliant thing I've ever heard. Because I don't know if you're familiar with like IBS, so irritable bowel syndrome, where you get like the, the bloating, gas, diarrhea, constipation, etc. Well, hers was irritable brain syndrome. And to give you an example of this in action, what she was like, how she sort of explained it or like how it resonated with me was... So let's just say, for example, you're choosing not to eat wheat because you're trying to rebuild your digestive health. And and let's just say like you've you've sort of like done a lot of like restorative work and then you get invited out to share a pizza with friends and you accept, you're like, okay, yeah, sure. But you're actually shitting yourself as to what eating that pizza is potentially going to be doing to your health or your gut. And let's just say you went out and ate the pizza with that fear running through your mind and this is where like the key point of irritable brain syndrome is, is that this fear can put your body into a state of fight or flight stress mode, which turns down your digestive function, which can definitely affect how your body responds to the food and its ability to break it down effectively, which can give you IBS type symptoms. So like that bloating, pain, gas, like diarrhea, whatever it is. So the question is like, there's this like chicken or the egg scenarios, like was it actually the food that cause those symptoms because like wheat for example eating a pizza can trigger a lot of people or was it the thoughts and anxiety around eating that food that made your body respond in that way it literally could be either I've experienced both I have definitely experienced like food trigger digestive symptoms and stress trigger digestive symptoms because your mind is honestly so, so powerful, so much so that it can actually make your body physically respond to the thoughts that you're entertaining. So whatever thoughts are running through your mind, there have even been studies done with cancer patients who were actually given a placebo, so an inactive treatment, and they still lost their hair. And that was from thought alone. So how trials often work is that they have two groups enrolled into the study, but each group, when it's a double-blind placebo-controlled study, for example, so the double-blind, which means that each group doesn't know what treatment they're getting, whether they're getting the placebo treatment, which is an inactive treatment, or the actual treatment itself, which is the active drug. So in this case, there were participants in the placebo group who believed that they were truly getting chemotherapy treatment. So the active treatment of chemotherapy, knowing the side effects of chemo and believing that, yeah, well, a side effect of chemo, you lose your hair. So this pure belief and thought caused them to lose their hair because they were getting a placebo drug. They weren't getting active chemotherapy. So that drug, like that placebo that they were taking, it was inactive. 
it would not have caused them to lose their hair. But some people did because they believed this is a side effect. Uh, I'm waiting to lose my hair. They were waiting to lose their hair as a side effect. And I can honestly, I can't tell you how valuable this is to know because knowing this, you can actually start to understand how powerful your mind is. And just like it can create undesirable outcomes, like a, a negative outcome, for example, the digestive symptoms from eating wheat, like this food is going to make me equal this and it's going to cause this. Or if I do this, this will happen. You can equally create amazing outcomes through thought alone. That's like the whole thing of like power of manifestation and intention, right? You can use it and cause chaos in your mind and your physical reality, or you can use it to create fucking like magnetic, amazing, positive, whatever you want to call it, like the most desirable outcome that you want. That's how powerful your mind is. So this is why, this is exactly why my approach to nourishing my body is very, very different (laughs) to how I used to approach it when I first started learning about nutrition. So these days I don't have any hard nose around what I eat in general. Now, also I just want to circle back to, I don't mean to say that a plant-based keto or paleo eating type plan isn't medicinal, though I no longer believe in any long-term diets as your body's needs change. Plus, the nourishment that comes from social interaction and the pleasure that's involved in that, like humans crave and desire and actually need, require, they require social connection. So if you're isolating yourself for the sake of diet alone, that can create a negative outcome. So I see it more like important from a holistic health standpoint that there needs to be some sort of meeting in the middle. And which is why I really believe so much in nourishing yourself beyond just food alone, because there are so many other factors that will influence your health, like social connection. And creating stress, like really high stress and anxiety around the food isn't helpful for anyone. Of course, some structure can be very helpful uh, for certain periods of time. And there definitely are food changes that could definitely be beneficial to enhance the healing process and take some stress off your system, though there's a very fine line, as I was saying before. So really all you can do is do your best. But that sort of is leading me to number three, which is health perfectionism, which is doing everything you possibly can to maintain or avoid ill health with little or no flexibility. Really, I sort of call this trying to be a purist which I don't, it's another thing that I don't find helpful. Perfect doesn't exist. Life is ever changing and ever moving. And what's more important than pursuing the illusion of perfectionism is embodying intuition, flexibility, and adaptability, getting to know how your body communicates with you and listening to your body's needs and feedback, staying flexible with yourself and your approach and adapting to life's changes and challenges. That is what's going to support you and nourish you over the long term instead of trying to follow the rules that someone else has set for you and trying to be like the perfect student, so to speak. Also, I just want to add, the reality is you could follow any diet perfectly, yet still not get results and be miserable because you're so hyper-focused on your health, which can become so consuming. I know this, like it can be so so consuming and you literally just lose sight of what you're actually doing it all for which is a really important question to come back to 
Now, this sort of moves me into number four, which is the last one, which is health hoarding. I've just labeled it that. I wasn't sure what to call this one, but basically what I see as a over-focus on health alone and not paying attention to other aspects of your whole life. There is so much more to life than physical health. Yes, I know like without your health, you got nothing. There's many, many quotes around that. Though, health is just one pillar. There's also social life. There's also relationships, hobbies, work, purpose, like your purpose, what you're here to do, how you can serve, family, downtime, like that me time, that self-care time. Also, like your home environment and your environment in general. These are all pillars that create your whole life. And I'm sure I'm still missing some (laughs) off the top of my head, but hopefully this gives you an idea that health is one pillar. And a way I like to explain it is, let's just say you've got nine pillars to make up like a whole life. And one question I like to ask my clients or people that I talk to is, how whole is your whole life? So health is one pillar. And then you've got your social life and then relationships and your hobbies, work, purpose, family, downtime, home, environment, etc. If all you're doing is focusing on health and putting all your eggs in that little pillar, then... If your health breaks down, what do you have? I first sort of like learnt about this. It was from a book. It's called um, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway by Susan Jeffers. Really good book. Go read it. I first was introduced to this concept in relationship to relationships. So I was putting a lot of energy into my relationship. And once that broke down, so this is back in the day, my second relationship... Once that breakdown, or if there was problems there or whatnot, I felt like my whole fucking world was going down the drain. It was falling apart because I, all my other pillars, they were getting no attention. I wasn't doing work that I loved or I wasn't sort of giving energy into my life's bigger purpose. I wasn't having any downtime for myself. My social life was lacking etc etc okay this is the other example where I was putting all my eggs in the health basket as well at one point so I hope that sort of somewhat gives you a visual of it but my real point here is that all these things all of these pillars as a whole create a healthy thriving life if all you do is focus on health and neglect your social life your hobbies family work whatever it is you're going to feel unfulfilled. It's no wonder because these other aspects of your human experience are lacking and they're not getting attention. They're not being topped up. They might be like getting 1% of your energy and something else is getting 99, for example. So I want to ask you, how can you nourish these other areas of your life more fully? One thing you could do is even rate how fulfilled or how much attention each area of your life is getting and start reflecting on how you can move forward in giving other areas more attention. So you can just like rewind this or I'll list some off. So it's health, social life, relationships, hobbies, work, purpose, family, downtime, home, environment, and anything else you want to add as a pillar or that you feel should be a pillar. Write them all down. And rate next to it. How much energy or how much time are you investing in these areas of your life? Something else I invite you to do is just ask yourself, what do you want to get better for? 
and what will you be able to do once you reach your health goals and there's a reason I share this and it's because it's so so valuable to embody how you want to feel before it's even happened and to do the things that you want to do instead of waiting to feel better to do it or look better to do it or have more confidence to do it there's no time like now and the more you step into that future version of yourself the faster it will magnetize to you that reality will magnetize to you and become a part of who you are so they're just some things to reflect on digest (laughs) and you might want to listen to this more than once but just to recap the four things to look out for is distorted eating patterns where you become super rigid around food food fear thoughts basically of if I eat this this will happen or feelings of guilt shame after eating particular foods number three health perfectionism so trying to be perfect in your approach and health hoarding or having an over focus on health alone without giving attention to other aspects of your life Now, if you're wanting support and guidance in how to approach health in a more balanced, intuitive and holistic way, and when I say balance, like I really, there's no such thing as balance. (laughs) It's really an act of counterbalance. So creating that awareness of when you're going too far in one direction. So if you imagine it as a scale and it tips, so it's this constant counterbalance because if you're constantly trying to achieve balance in your life, then that can also be perfectionistic trait. So there's no such thing as balance. It's more like counterbalance and not swinging too far in one direction. So it's really a practice of awareness. And that's something that I can definitely help you cultivate or tune into a little bit more. So I offer one-to-one coaching packages where I can really support you in building this awareness around your relationship with food, releasing limiting beliefs and thoughts around your health to help make space for progress. Because if you have a belief like, I'll never get better or nothing works for me, for example, I used to have one um, that you know, everything I eat fucks with my digestion, basically, or everything I eat hurts me or makes me bloated or causes me pain. So having those types of belief is going to be very, very hard for you to move forward. So this is where I can actually guide you through a process to release those limiting beliefs and make you aware of them first so you can release and rewire your thoughts around them. And another thing could be just rounding out your full human experience and strengthening other pillars in your life so you feel more fulfilled. And the beauty of one-to-one coaching is that I tailor all the sessions to you specifically. So whatever is going on for you or whatever you've got going on, I'll meet you where you're at. So anything health and mindset related, I've got you covered. I'm a naturopath, nutritionist, and I incorporate a lot of mindset and life coaching into my sessions. So if you're curious or still unsure whether one-to-one coaching is for you or not, the best thing you can do is just fill out an application form so I can get an idea of your goals and what's going on for you specifically. And if I think we're a good fit, we can definitely make it happen. So if you want to apply or just like chat with me, you can DM me or to actually apply so I can get a full picture. All you got to do is go to lauralaguno.com.au forward slash apply and you can fill out the form there. And that's it. I would love, love, love to work with you on this. I am such a geek when it comes down to this because I have been on the side of like you know health is everything all you got to do is like eat really good and move your body and live healthy 
But when your mind is all fucked up or you're stressed out of your brain and you can't think clearly or there's other shit going on, doesn't matter what you're eating. It doesn't matter how much you're moving because when you're stressed, your body can't digest and break down that food for one. But also like when your system's stressed, all the organs in your system aren't going to function as they should. So mindset, stress management is fucking my jam. I love it because I've experienced that when those sorts of things aren't dialed in, not much can really work properly. But also like there's a case of when you are actually, you know what you can be doing. For example, like making better food choices or moving your body more. A lot of people have that awareness, but they aren't doing it. They're defaulting back to old habits. They're still binge eating and they don't know why or craving certain foods. I just had one client that we've done a little bit of nutrition coaching, but the magic she said was, I helped her actually, I took her through a process of rewiring her mindset through like EFT tapping around her body and food. And she said once she released that, and I've also like incorporated and introduced some stress management techniques for her. And she's dropped like four kilos or 4.5 kilos in a very short period of time. And she's like, I am not craving food anymore like I was. I feel so much more calm. I'm not reacting and going to food for support anymore. So those things are game changing because, yeah, I can I can definitely tell you what to eat. But the magic is when you actually can become more in tune with your intuition and manage your stress and transform your mindset so you can make better choices or more empowered choices, I should say. So that's my rant over. (laughs) Uh, I hope you find that helpful. And yeah, let me know. Let me know. DM me. Share this podcast with a friend that you think might benefit from it because I know this is a freaking thing. I've experienced it, so I know someone else has too. And you probably know someone, or it might be yourself, who is experiencing this or going through this. So share the love with someone you think would benefit from it. And let me know what you got out of this. I'd love to know, connect with you, whatnot. So yeah, have a beautiful week, and I'll speak to you in the next episode. I'm going to come at you with some van life stories and... I don't know, maybe pros and cons of van life and life on the road so far. I don't know. We'll see. See what Mark and I come up with. But yeah, enjoy the rest of your day, evening, whatever time it is where you're at. And I'll speak to you in the next episode. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in and hanging out with us. We hope you loved this episode. And if you did, make sure you hit subscribe and leave a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts with your favorite takeaway from this episode because that way we know what you're loving and it also helps share this podcast with new people and get it into new people's ears and share the message. We would really, really value your support in that because that just really helps keep the podcast growing and allows us to keep on showing up in this way for you. Another way you can share the love is just simply sending this episode to someone you think would benefit or even just taking a screenshot and sharing it on your Insta stories and tagging us. We'd love to see that you're tuning in and get to know you over on the gram. So we'd love to see that. Again, thank you so much for hanging out and we'll speak to you in the next episode. Bye.